0: Did you you get all that? Yep. That's the sound of a Grimlock being made. If you don't know what that means, get out. You shouldn't be listening to us. (laughs) If you
1: don't know what what that means, fuck you.
0: Hello and welcome to the Omcast Grand Rewatch. My name is Dom. As one half of the Omcast, I'm joined by Tom. Say hello, Tom. Yes. So, we now live in a world full of sequels, prequels, remakes and reboots we understand that sometimes life gets in the way and you're not always going to be able to catch up before a new one comes out. With that in mind we're here to provide a weekly retrospective on some of the biggest franchises in cinema history giving you a full spoiler rundown of each film in a series including plot summaries, analysis and behind the scenes trivia. This week we're starting our rewatch of the M. Night Shyamalan superhero series Shyamalaniverse? But it's not though. Anyway there's a series of connected films, directed and written by M. Night Shyamalan, um, and they start with the 2000 classic, Unbreakable, starring yes. Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson. Yes. And you that's know what... there's
1: a name for the trilogy? Oh, was there? Yeah, it's called the East Rail 177 Trilogy.
0: Oh, crap. That's <laughs> shit. That's got nothing to do with anything. Oh, okay. All right, fine. Unless there is some sort of connection that he, like, ret- he retcons later on. Yeah. But because there's no good, like Split, there is no connection to that train crash? No. In Split. So why is he called it that? Don't know. That's why silly. does he do anything? I don't know. Anyway, so... He's a visionary. <laughs> he's an auteur. Um So yeah, basically, for those of you who don't know, um, there are there was a movie made by M. Night Shyamalan back in 2000 called Unbreakable, which is what we're going to talk about today. Yep. Um, and for all we knew, that was the end of it. He was just yep. he makes individual movies. Um, he made Six Sense and then he followed it up with Unbreakable. Mm-hmm. He's since sort of made a few less than great movies had a bit of a wobble yeah but then in 2016 he made a film called split with james mcavoy playing all these different characters yeah and again spoilers for that movie i'm I'm afraid but the big twist at the end of that movie was that bruce willis's character from unbreakable turns up and it turns out they're set in the same universe and therefore split is in some ways a sequel to unbreakable yeah and then what's going to happen is that this movie coming out in about two weeks' time, three weeks' time. It's called Glass, and it's going to include Bruce Willis's character, Samuel Jackson's character from this movie, and James McAvoy's character, and it's all going to come together and they're going to be like tied up together into this one movie. Yeah. So that means that this whole universe got started with this movie, Unbreakable. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, so
1: good. Like, yeah. I know Like we've watched this a couple of times together now, and I do like to rib on the film quite a lot. Yeah. So readers, you will pick up on that. And it's not me being dismissive or being a knob about the film. It's just really easy to pick up yeah, on these I think, quite obvious points that are in it yeah. and make jokes
0: about them. But other than that, this film genuinely is one of my favourite films I've ever seen. I think I think the thing with it is it's the concept of it that's great. And it's yeah. executed fairly well. There are a couple of instances where the direction is a little bit too... I don't know what the right word for it is really. Yeah. Um like just trying to be too arty, get a bit
1: He's trying he's trying to establish himself as an auteur yeah. without um using more time. He's sort of an accelerated
0: yeah. forcefulness of his authorism. Yeah, he just he used his shot selection for the sake of being arty rather than serving yep. the story and stuff. So like there's lots of shots in this where like you just see the back of someone's head while someone else is talking to them. Yeah, it happens quite a lot. And it's just annoying. And it's just like, well, sometimes they're the person talking. So, like, there's an instance where Bruce Willis is talking to Samuel Jackson, but you don't see Bruce Willis talking, you just see the back of his head. Yeah. And anyway, we're getting way ahead of the point. <laughs> um, let's talk about the plot of Unbreakable. So, it's quite okay. a short film, it's only about an hour and 45. But if you can summarize what happens in Unbreakable, let us know okay. what happens. Okay.
1: So. Our film opens with an on-screen statement regarding comic books and collectors. It states something like the average collector has about 3,000 comics and they can vary in price from $1 to $140,000. This is wrong. (laughs) But anyway, so the film properly opens in Philadelphia in 1961. Elijah Price is born with Type 1 Osteogenesis Imperfecta, a rare disease which makes his bones incredibly fragile. We then move to the present day, where bald man, David Dunn, played by bald Bruce Willis, is on a train. And after a cringeworthy chat-up session, he's then involved in a very serious train crash. The train that he's on, the East Rail 177, crashes, killing everybody but him. Brucey is the only survivor and sustains no injuries whatsoever. We quickly learn that he's a family man, although David and his wife are sleeping in separate rooms and are somewhat estranged. Following the memorial service, David finds an envelope on his car with a simple question inside. There is isn't now some sombre bits where David pines over football players and gets a pay rise, and we flash back to 1974 and are given Elijah's introduction to comics. Back to now times when we're formally introduced to Elijah, who now owns and operates an art gallery stocked with limited edition comic book art. David and his desperate for paternal love son, Joseph, meet with Elijah, who proposes to David that he's the kind of person after whom comic book superheroes are modeled. David quickly rejects this idea and leaves but continues to look into his own past. Whilst working security at a football game, David is visited by Elijah who continues to press him about his abilities after David demonstrates insight regarding a spectator. After being dismissed by David, Elijah follows the man and discovers that David's insight was correct, but not before falling down a staircase and becoming horribly injured. Because he totally isn't having a midlife crisis, David then begins lifting weights and is increasingly dismissive of his son who idolises his father. Why? No idea. <laughs> Joseph begins to believe that David is a superhero, however, David still maintains that he's just an ordinary man. Elijah's said injuries are described in detail before he is coincidentally assigned to David's wife Audrey as his physiotherapist. He continues his pursuit for information regarding David's past before he is dismissed by Audrey. Cut to another sports game where David continues to test his abilities, but this time his instincts are unfounded. Joseph, presumably to try and emulate or impress his father, is involved in an incident at school, whilst David discusses this matter with another faceless person, where we learn that he almost died after he caught pneumonia following an accident in the school swimming pool. That night, Joseph attempts to prove David's abilities by pulling a gun on him. After diffusing the situation, the family all collapse to the floor in an emotionally emotional moment of emotion. David uses this knowledge of his near-drowning to challenge Elijah's theory and tells him to leave his family alone. That night, David and Audrey are on a date, and we discover that the pair of them are boring as fuck. After returning from the date, we learn that Elijah has left a voicemail for David, theorising that water is his kryptonite. Later that night, David breaks into the facility where the wrecked train cars from his accident are being stored. He then has a flashback to the night of the car accident where shown that he wasn't injured after all, and in fact he uses his super strength to tear off the door of the car. David calls and explains this to Elijah, who suggests that he continues to focus his abilities in a populated area. He goes to a train station and ends up following a janitor who's killed a man and imprisoned his family. David, in full hero mode, and poncho, frees the children but it's too late to save the mother. After a throwdown, David overpowers the janitor and saves the day. Kind of. After returning home, he takes Audrey from her bed while she's asleep and carries her upstairs to his bed in the familial bedroom before then snuggling up to her and saying that he had a bad dream. The following morning, he sneakily shows Joseph a newspaper article affirming that he is, in fact, the hero that his son believes him to be. David attends the art exhibition at Elijah's gallery and meets Elijah's mother. Soon after, Elijah brings David to his office and shakes hands with him. Upon doing so, David uses his insight power and sees visions of Elijah being involved in the hotel fire, plane crash and rail disaster. David is horrified by this and Elijah monologues that these were necessary deaths as a means to find him. He then calls himself Mr. Glass and explains that he now realises his own purpose in life is to be the villain to David's hero. As the film closes, on-screen text reveals that David reported Mr. Glass to the police, with the result being Elijah convicted of murder and terrorism and he's then committed to
0: an institution for the criminally insane. End. Wow. So yeah, that's unbreakable. Unbreakable. Unbreakable is it? Is a it's a, it's a superhero movie, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's in a weird roundabout way. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's a, it's a
1: superhero origin story, really.
0: Yeah, it's that age old "what if superheroes existed in the real world?" Yeah, but I think this is probably the most faithful, you know, interpretation of that yeah. idea because that that idea has been explored in various different sort of movies and. Comic books and tv shows and all the rest yeah. of it. i mean like watchmen was one what you know one of the big ones obviously where they tried to ground it and make it real but then they made a big blue god man and it kind of broke the universe yeah um and i mean similarly, yeah. like with like even like batman begins and that is like super grounded in reality and then there's a microwave emitter at the end of it so, yeah like, so this one everything stays super super grounded to a point where there, there are no nothing jumps out, nothing goes ridiculous. And I feel like he's like saving that for these sequels, I guess. Yeah.
1: So in this one, like it's hand-wavingly explained mm. in so much as um, Elijah, played by Samuel L. Jackson, Mr. Glass, as I'll refer to him from now on, um, is has this terrible condition. And he says, well, you know, I've had a lot of time to read across my life. So I always wondered... Always theorized that there was someone out there that was the opposite to me. So, where yeah. he's got weak bones that are very brittle, he theorized that someone out there is, is well, unbreakable. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. um, but yeah, so he, he's not this amazing person that can fly and shoot laser beams out of his eyes. No.
0: Well, there's that, this thing. So, he actually has few superpowers that they actually sort of say that he has. Yeah. And some of them are more over the top than others. So, the, yeah. the unbreakable so it's instinct element, power. Yeah, the instinct power is very weird is yeah. that's the most sort of out there he gets i think isn't it mm-hmm. because the idea of his instinct power is that he can touch someone he can tell whether they've done something wrong and yeah. he gets like a full or the way it's depicted to us anyway is that he gets a full like flashback or whatever of what they've previously done and yeah. sees it from a bird's eye point of view if you like of something yeah. that's happened <clears throat> earlier that day or whatever
1: over the years i've sort of presumed that was sort of artistic liberty mm. that there's that it, whilst he may not have seen that, he he got like a feeling about them that mm. something wasn't right. Yeah. So when, but then going back, and he said, "Oh, I had this picture in my mind." Yeah, of exactly. the guy with the gun. It's the
0: guy with the gun, and he very is very specific. He says, "I see a guy with a gun in his belt, and it's a was it a silver Sil- gun with a black gun handle. with a black handle, and that's exact. And then it turns out that's exactly what it is. So it's, yeah, it's all it's like I say it's not just a feeling. It is quite specific. It is quite like yeah literal." In the, that he can see literally in his in his mind Might he die. can see a the image of whatever it is this person's done and knows yeah. all the specifics of it. But yeah, so that's the sort of the most out there he gets, I think. And then what I quite like is like even with the um, the whole super strength thing which he has, they don't do they don't show that by him like stopping a car. Or like no. that. they literally sh- they show that by this sequence where he's just lifting weights, yeah, and they keep putting more and more weight on there until it gets to a point where it's just ridiculous.
1: Well, they've put everything on there. They but. put everything
0: on there, and then they have got to put um, paint cans on there as well yeah. to make it even heavier. Yeah, um, and then
1: there's the bit with like in like I say in the rundown with the car door. Yeah, that he tears off. Yeah, but yeah, it's there's no sort of real over side to it. No. There's no somebody flying off into the sun like. At the end of the Matrix, sort of thing. No. Well, yeah, or Superman sort of abilities, where he yeah. can blow, make a hurricane, or blow and free somebody, and has eye lasers and stuff. Yeah. It's very, very understated, which I really enjoy as well because yeah. it does ground it so much more.
0: Yeah, and it's sort of it's this it's self-aware in that obviously Elijah is cont- continuously giving us, feeding us these bits about, oh, this is what it's like in the comic book. In a comic book, it's like this. Yeah. You know that you know in a comic book the bad guy is the opposite of the good guy, and it's like he's saying all these things that are archetypes and sort of replicated over and over again. Yeah. But he's saying it as a way of making his argument about no, this is real. Yeah. And most people will dismiss that as going, Yeah, it sounds like a comic book, which means it's ridiculous. Yeah. But he's And said, then no, he no, no. sort of makes reference to it being about um like the Egyptian hieroglyphs yeah. and how
1: all of these stories have been passed through history. Yeah and he's
0: saying now it's become commercialised now it's become it's all corporate and all Yeah, the they've slapped
1: colourful packaging on it. Yeah.
0: Which is not what but it is what if it was based in something real? yeah and yeah that is a really cool concept and that's the best thing about this universe and unbreakable in particular it's that concept is done really well yeah but (laughs) but it sort of
1: treats it respectfully as well it's not done in a a sort of like wanted sort of thing where you think okay these things sort of do exist behind the scenes yeah but it goes from being nothing to everything super quickly yeah whereas in this it's it's not much of this significant change on a linear perspective. No, it hasn't changed it's, the world. It, yeah, it doesn't dra- dramatically change the world. It doesn't break the world in any way. No. We're not going to get some big curtain reveal. No. It's the fact that there are people out there that have these superhuman abilities mm. that are only that because of a protein being different in their body.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's not. so it'll be interesting to see how they take this going forward. Yeah. Because... That again, it gets more physically weird, I guess, in when it gets to split. Yeah. Um. And, and in terms of what where he's going with Glass, because it looks like Glass is going to be the one where they're revealed to the world sort of thing. Yeah. So whether whether that is the culmination of it or we don't know, but yeah, it's an interesting, moment. it's interesting. I mean, I think the thing that like I say, the concept is great. Where it struggles sometimes is in the characterizations. Yeah. And the sort of the relationships between them because like particularly david dunn is a very strange man yeah they're, they're all strange men but he's he's very like i don't know zombie like almost isn't he? he just he has this really weird like disconnected monotone yeah and that's he always what
1: it they... seems when you see him engage with people he's just it's he has like this almost like fog of depression around him. yeah like nothing really matters and it's no. the, the joke that i keep making with you is that you know this film is about a midlife crisis yeah you know? <laughs> no it is
0: like i get that and and you're, you're right there's, it's not exactly a subtle um thing no. when you think about it it's very on the surface yeah it's a man who and they they have that whole thing about the the subplot about him him being a football player and yeah. then he gave that up for a woman and yeah. that is very much like a midlife crisis of this like, i could have been a contender i could yeah. have been someone i gave up my dreams for you and the kid yeah and, like, and that's obviously like the subtext underneath it all. yeah and there's like um, a
1: simmering resentment there yeah
0: and she, like, at one point, his wife flat out asks him, Do you resent us? Yeah. So it's like, it's not even, it's not subtly done. No. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, I don't know. It's just something about, like, he's not a particularly likable character. He's just because of the way he is. Yeah. But then he also sort of says to Elijah, you know, that today was the first day I woke up and were, I didn't feel that sadness that I feel every day. Yeah. Because I thought someone had answers for me, which is a very impactful thing to say unfortunately yeah. we didn't see him say it we just saw the back of bruce willis's bald head as he said <laughs> it to samuel jackson because for some reason m night shaman's things seems to think that's a good way of directing scenes where two people are talking rather than show both of their reactions and yeah. be able to see both of their faces he only ever wants to see one face yeah and usually it's the person who isn't talking so they're just they're just reacting something so there's that yeah that bit in particular it's quite early on in the film, and it gives you, and that's quite a big bit of like Bruce Willis's character to explain yeah. to himself. But because they go shot, back to that, yeah. at the end of the film, he keeps mentioning that that moment, that sadness that you feel. Like there's a couple of instances where it's mentioned, and that is like almost his driving force for the whole thing, and explains a lot of his character. But when they do tell us about it, they tell us about it where the, the camera is on the other side of the room, <laughs> filming the back of his head, <laughs> and it's yeah. just like. If you want us to engage with the character, you need to show us their eyes. Like, yeah. is that not filmmaking one hundred and one? I don't know. Like, I know he's trying to be different, but then there's a reason films are made the way they're made. M well, Knight. exactly. Like, you know what I mean?
1: like, there's a reason why you show people's faces because it allows them to emote.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And there are,
1: like, I get that Bruce Willis is. I I don't know. I can't find the exact pinpoint in his career when Bruce Bruce Willis's charisma died. Yeah, but um. But yeah, in this, he's not a charismatic man. No, he's still quite engaging. I think because he's, you he's, still want to follow yeah. the story. But I, I think, think it's, it's a good
0: performance from him. Yeah, but I just feel like it, the character that he's playing is is very much against hype for him. Yeah, he's very like down and like say it's this depression hanging over. Like you could have seen it like the same character be played by someone like Michael Fassbender or something. Yeah, with a lot of conviction, a lot of
1: yeah. But and like there is the emotional outburst that he has, um, in the scene where I mentioned when Joseph pulls a gun on him. Mm. Yeah. And he starts off and he's very quiet, like he is throughout the whole film. Yeah. And then he gradually sort of ramps up to this bit where he's he's genuinely shouting at the boy. Yeah. And then he the kid finally gives in and puts the gun, slams the gun down on the table. Yeah. And they all just emotionally collapsed to the floor. Yeah, I love
0: that bit because there's a shot where they all they all crumple down to the floor, but then you can see in the same shot there is a dinner table there with four chairs, and it's like any one of all you perfectly placed. All any one of you could have just sat in one of the chairs, but you were all so emotional that you got to put your backs to the wall and slide down <laughs> yeah. like a, like a, <laughs> like, a, like a dad in a hospital corridor. Yeah, like, <laughs> fuck's sake. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's strange, but then that thing with the uh, the gun actually is what I was going to say. as I was reading about that. Did you know that there was like some sort of basis in fact on that, or there was a true story? Oh like... yeah, about Superman. Yeah, it was George Reeves. Yeah, so George Reeves, who played the original Superman back on the TV back in like when it was black and white, what was it 50s. like in the fifties? And he like, there's a lot of stories around him. There was a movie made actually about it where Ben Affleck played him. Mm-hmm. Um, was it called Hollywoodland? Is it or something? I remember. Anyway, I'll look it up. She... Anyway, what happened was there was a kid literally did this. He drew he drew a gun on him. He was in his Superman outfit, I think, or something. Or some kid like turned up to watch the filming being done, or he turned up at an event, which he often did. He was wearing the Superman costume, and a kid drew a gun on him, and was prepared was literally going to shoot him. And he talked him down in a very similar way to what happened in this movie. He said to him, "Look, yeah, okay, if you shoot me, it was bo- Hollywood, Land. Hollywood Land. Yeah, I was right. Yeah, yeah, there you go." But yeah, so what George Reeves did is he said, look, yeah, if you shoot me, the bullet will ricochet and someone else might get hurt. Yeah. So put the gun down. Yeah. And so he reasoned with the kid that way and that's how he got him to put the gun down and that is replicated exactly the same in this, in Unbreakable. Yeah. Um, And it is a really tense scene and again, he does it all as a one shot and that's an instance where his, like, shot choices and direction... Pay off. Yeah. Like, there are a couple of things where it doesn't quite work. I think that one is one where it definitely does yeah. work um, because that is super tense. Yeah. Like, um, some of the one shot
1: scenes that he does are great. Yeah. 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 But also, yes, yeah, like you say, there is this really mixed bag of, like, sort of direction through this. Like, yeah. the train scene at the start yeah. where the camera is just constantly moving between seats. Yeah. And, like, I get it. It's as if you're. Like the audience is is spying on this conversation. It's like voy- voyeuristic, isn't it? Which yeah. is kind of the
0: whole idea of what Elijah is, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, anyway.
1: But it's, it's weird because it feels really disjointed because it will move to David whilst the woman is talking and then it will move to her when she's talking and then it will move back to him as he talks and then she'll be talking again off screen. And then, yeah, it's...
0: It's very strange. It is very odd. So yeah, and that doesn't work. And then another one where it really does work is that there's a, quite a few instances um, with uh, Samuel Jackson's character with Elijah, yeah. where they show him in reflection. So they show yeah. him like yeah, so yeah. when they the first, the opening scene of the movie is his birth. Yeah, and a lot of it you see through a uh, mirror. Yeah. So the doctor picks him up and says, "What the hell happened to this baby?" Because he's he was born with broken arms, and broken legs. Yeah, which is really like harrowing as an opening for a movie. Yeah. Um, but the whole thing is shot via a mirror, so you're seeing it from a mirror. And then the next time you see him is a flashback back in the seventies when he gets his first comic book, and almost all of that scene is shot through the reflection of a TV. And then it's shot with him and his mum looking through a mirror, through, looking Look through, through the a window, because it's all about reflections, Mister Glass. And it's like, yeah. okay, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Like, that's yeah, that, like that. I can't really argue with that. And also, obviously, there's a lot of use of color. Which gets a bit out of hand at times. (laughs) Yeah. But like, yeah, anything to do with David is always green. Yeah. He's always wearing green. There's always green in the background. His house is decorated green. And then Elijah's colour is purple. So everything's purple. He's always wearing purple. Yeah. Um, And
1: everything's filmed with like a blue filter.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, And everything's very dark apart from the things he wants you to pay attention to. Yeah.
1: And it's like the villainous characters that we see throughout are, are always sort of highlighted in like red, yellow
0: or orange. Yeah, particularly the scene towards the end at the train station when he's doing <clears> his <throat> sort of perception thing. Yeah, The only people who he perceives to have done anything wrong are the ones wearing bright colours. Yeah, So everyone, if you're wearing brown, or rust, like yeah. his favourite oh, colour. Fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, like i pointed right. that
1: out like a few times now, but there's a scene in this and I am detracting, so there's a scene in it where David and Audrey are going out on a date after they've decided to try again. And they're in this restaurant and it's all very quiet and it's really, really well shot. Like the camera starts from seeing everybody else in the restaurant and these two as the focus with this giant sort of ornate picture in the background. And it slowly, 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 slowly fades into it's just the two of them. But over the top of this beautiful shot is what we can only presuppose is her asking him what his favorite color is and he says rust and she's like rust and he's like yeah not actual rust but you know the color and then he's like what about you and she's like
0: brown it's like they're the most boring people aren't they they're just like yeah. that's where it like again that's another thing that falls down to me is that their whole relationship he doesn't Know how to write it, or he doesn't no. know what he what he's trying to say, yeah, or what because again, it's some I think sort of,
1: he was making an allusion to sort of the um, like the peaked in
0: college cliche. Yeah, I get it's like a mid again, it's like a midlife crisis, yeah. like sort of marriage in trouble type thing, but it's just like I don't know, it just doesn't sit right, does it? It just no. doesn't come across right, and then, then there's like they don't react normally to things. So like the inciting incident of this movie is that he's involved in this horrific train crash, and most like the character out right from there you would probably see is that if you were like estranged from your husband and then you almost lost them you th- they go I realise that I need you around and like yeah. it took almost losing you to make me realise yeah. that would be it but not with him he just goes straight back into like he gets home he's still yeah. wearing the clothes that he was wearing on the fucking train that crashed that killed a hundred people and she goes I had the job interview you go yeah because <laughs> you're moving to New York remember you're leaving <laughs> like it's just like yeah okay and it's not like I think I put it down to the writing more than anything. Like yeah. the characters come across as just being these very strange monotone emotionless.
1: Yeah, like statues just sliding past one another. Exactly. But that's down to the sort of the writing. Yeah. It's difficult because I think some of it is owed to the way that the story works in itself mm. because the story is about this understated superhero film. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that every performance has to be done as if somebody's reading from a telephone book.
0: No, because that's not what real people are like. No. <laughs> like you know, people like, argue and people yeah. like people laugh. Yeah, they crack a joke every now and then. Yeah, like the, the kid is like he's got some seriously serious like emotional issues as well. The kid's got problems. Like he's got he's really super clingy to his dad. Yeah, and idolizes him. But I don't know why. That's what I get. That's what I can't get my head around. And I th- I d- again, I think it's like a symbolic
1: thing that. You know, there's again, there's the cliche that you know boys worship their dads as their idols, and
0: yeah, but you don't like that is an archetype with no substance behind it. Yeah, I think mean, that's the thing. He's like, he's created this idea of like, oh, there's the kid who worship. It, all dads are superheroes in their kids' eyes. Yeah, that's his like thing that he he's hit on. Yeah, but he hasn't gone any further. Yeah, it's like in the Fight Club book, where it's like, if you're white and Christian in America, yeah,
1: then your image of God is your father. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, yeah, okay, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. And I think that is a little bit of a an illusion there, is that he's like this great white hope to his son and his son's kind of, is terrified because this whole divorce looming over them is affecting him Yeah, and think, he like, thinks he's going to go away.
0: It could have been done in a number of, like, that's the thing, it could have been fixed if they just given it a bit more time. Like, I feel like you could have made him, like, the kid, Be he's what, like, 10, 11 years old, something like that? Yeah. And having been massively into comic books. Yeah. hugely into comic books. Loves it. It's his escape from his mum and dad having issues. Yeah. And then some guy comes along and goes, hey, your dad might be a superhero. Yeah. Shit. Suddenly he's interested. Suddenly he gives it like, this is like something that he can really cling on to. Yeah. And that will then explain it all. And yeah. He lives in this fantasy world where all he does is read about Superman and all the rest of it. And he's his hero. And then someone goes, what if your dad was Superman? Yeah. Shit.
1: That's cool. Do that. Yeah. And like, part of it is in the film Mm. because you see when they're talking about football Mm. and then you see, and then Joseph is playing football and he's like, are you mad? You know how angry your mother would be if she found out you're playing football. And it's like, he's trying to do these things like his dad is. And then there's the bit before they go out on the date, the day after he's pulled a gun on him, and they're like, mm, "Should we leave him on his own with the babysitter?"
0: I fucking wouldn't. He's probably going to shoot her. Also, the babysitter is what like two years older than him. Yeah, it's like it's a very strange situation. But
1: yeah, and then like there was that bit that I pointed out in our last watch where he's got a superhero in one hand, and uh, either a supervillain or another character in another hand, and one is like significantly smaller, and it's like, yeah. is this a really on the nose symbolism moment here?
0: Yeah. It's just like, yeah. And it's like, he's clearly super fucked up and gets very, very emotional about the whole thing. Yeah. Um. And it, it's again, it's a good performance from the kid. Yeah. To be fair to it, And that's
1: I, the thing. Like, cause I know we're being sort of, just, well, it sounds like we're being largely negative on it, but this is genuinely one of my top 10 films. Yeah. I could watch this film anytime I like because it's the whole message of the film in itself. It's the way that things are presented in really beautiful ways, which
0: makes me just slide past other bits. Yeah, true.
1: But then there are...
0: Pieces in there that are quite frustrating. Yeah, I feel like it's the characters are slightly underdeveloped. I feel like if you just given them another, if he let we had 10 15 minutes extra of that film, if he just made it a two hour movie and let everyone have a bit more breathing space, yeah, then it would have been okay. Well, no, it's still great, but it would have been better. Yeah, like I say, all the stuff with the Elijah and Mr. Glass is the big sort of takeaway for me for this. Yeah, he's the he steals the show. Um, oh, God, yeah, yeah. But he's by far the most charismatic character, and Samuel mm-hmm. Jackson gives a great performance. Yeah. And there are a couple of great scenes. Like, my favourite is um, when we're first introduced to his version of the character, like the adult version of Elijah. Yeah. It, when he's in the, um,
1: the... The gallery.
0: In the gallery, and he's explaining the um, comic book art to this guy. And the guy's trying to buy it for his, like, four-year-old son. Yeah. And he, just, and he like, loses it with him. <laughs> but, like, again, like, really calmly... In, only, in the way that only Samuel L. Jackson can do. That, yeah. like, like, but it's like delivered in a really scathing and cutting way. Yeah. Doesn't raise his voice, but you know he's fucking furious. Yeah. Like it's less he he's like a master at that. That's like his yeah. his little niche. Um but yeah. yeah, he's so good in it. Um and again, it's sort of the some of the stuff that he comes out with about comic books shows that Shyamalan or whoever, when they were writing this, clearly really got into it and really understood it. Yeah. Um and he's talking about like way these things are drawn and why they're drawn the way they're drawn so like in that particular instance he was talking about it was just a fairly classic generic superhero fighting a supervillain but he goes ah you see that the supervillain's head is slightly disproportionate to its body yeah which is something that happens a lot but only in um only in villains yeah and all that sort of stuff and then there's that great bit at the end which has now got even more significance where his mum is there talking about yeah the superhero paradigms and supervillain paradigms specifically. And she's like, you know that Elijah always taught me there was two kinds of supervillains. There's the soldier supervillain who fights the hero with his fists and there's the real threat who's the mastermind. fights the hero with his mind. Yeah, And now, in context of what's coming up, we know now that James McAvoy's character and the Beast is that, is the physical threat to David Dunn because yeah. there's no way Elijah can't fight him physically? We know that. That's kind of the whole point. Yeah, but he's the mastermind and he is the one pulling all the strings.
1: Yeah, and this is this is one of the sort of the reservations that I have about Glass. Is what is Elijah's sort of motivation for this?
0: Well, the impression is it like,
1: is it to expose to the world that these people exist. Mm,
0: yeah, that's my okay. impression. Anyway, my impression is that he he wants to he, he's trying to get them to embrace. He's trying to push David again. I think my understanding of it. This is just from watching the trailers and stuff. He's trying to push David into becoming like the full-on superhero. Okay. Like, when, like if you saw at the end of um, Unbreakable, he pulled he shows him the um, newspaper and goes, "It has begun." Yeah. That's what he wants. Yeah. He wants this thing, all this to be real. And he, and also, I think it's the thing, the big thing that he comes to the conclusion at the end of this one is, it's giving him a sense of self. Yeah. That he now knows that he's not a mistake. Is how he should, yeah. Is what he said. Yeah. Yeah. Because now I know what I need to be. I need to be your nemesis. But if you're not embracing your role as the hero, then I can't be a nemesis to someone who doesn't want to be a hero. Yeah. So I think that's probably what is going to be in Glass. It's going to be... Okay, yeah. I need, I need you to go out there and be Superman so that I can be Lex Luthor. Because otherwise, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Yeah. That's it, I think. Um, And he, he's going to have to use... Crumb. He's going to have to use James McElroy's characters to leverage that because he's going to make him be a threat and then force David to go out there and stop him because he's the only one who can.
1: Yeah, and do it in a public forum. Yeah,
0: and he's going to make it as public as he possibly can. It's like, right, you can't hide anymore. You're a hero. Yeah. And I'm a villain.
1: Okay, yeah. Let's go watch Glass. It's not no, out well, for three it's weeks. It's
0: not out for 12 days. Something like that, yeah. So we've got time. We've got split yet to come, haven't we? Just yeah. Next but it
1: is, yeah. And I'm just trying to think about it. Like, there are a few, so few characters in this as well. Yeah,
0: it's very stripped back.
1: But I love it. Mm. And like as much as I do like give it a lot of shit, yeah. It's it's the whole it's the joke that if I'm really nice to you, then I don't really like you. Whereas if I'm really mean to you, you're my friend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? <laughs> so and I think it's kind of a bit like that with this, is that I do give it a lot of shit. Yeah. As witness when you were getting a bit frustrated when I kept pointing out things. But like what? Like the, the the whole film being about the frustrating male impotence no, of a middle aged man. It wasn't in that.
0: It, 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 I got frustrated just because you made your point. <laughs> you didn't need to keep making it. Like I get it. It's not exactly subtle. <laughs> You've got a take. I get it. It's fine. Like, yeah, I get it. It's about it's about middle aged like midlife crisis. I get it. I mean, what m- most films are. But yeah, he's just
1: mad at his wife because she wouldn't let him get a motorbike.
0: Yeah. So instead, he he developed, He decides to become a superhero. Yeah, instead. he decides to have superpowers. Superpowers, albeit with the kryptonite of water. Yes, which is another bit of a trope from <laughs> Shabbalan. He's got this whole weird thing about water. Yeah, and again, he did the same thing in Signs, where the aliens invaded Earth, but their one weakness was also water, even though that's most of the planet. Yeah, didn't really think that but through. But
1: also, they're taking us. They're taking humans for f- food. So what do they just
0: dry us out? <sighs> Don't know. Don't know. I haven't seen signs in a long time. <laughs> but, like, yeah. Anyway, in terms of Shaolin movies, I mean, th- I think I feel like Unbreakable is definitely up there as maybe. It is the best one. What? Better than Sixth Sense? Yeah. Do you reckon? Yeah. Okay. Sixth Sense for me is still at the top. Um, because it was just so sort of out of nowhere and original. And... I
1: think a lot of people lean on the twist for Sixth Sense. I
0: guess so, but it's still really well done. The
1: fact that the, fr- the whole film is framed around it. Yeah, true. But it's less so in this? Yeah. But there is, it's such a gut punch in this. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, I prefer this over Sixth Sense because once you've seen a Sixth Sense, you know what the twist is. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I get it. It's similar with Fight Club. Yeah. But with this, it adds more to it and you see why Elijah is so involved. Yeah, like the twist yeah.
0: isn't like a earth shattering. It's just a case of it makes sense. And again, it's character based. It's not. Yeah. It's not changing the world. Yeah. It's just something that adds to the character that you've been watching all the way through, as opposed yeah. to, oh, well, that means that everything that you thought you were watching is completely different. And like, no, it's not like that. It's like, no, everything that you saw happened and yeah. everything that David went through happened. But the trigger for it right back at the very beginning had more to it than you actually originally thought. Yeah. But then, yeah, that also raises the question for me is that all these um, terrorist incidents, all these sort of um, events that he causes are all based in Chicago. No, Philadelphia. Philadelphia, sorry. I don't... Why did you come don't know. I don't know. Anyway, they're all based in Philadelphia. Yeah. So does that mean then that he's under the impression that his opposite on the spectrum can only be in the city that he's in? Yeah, that's Cause something Because that... if he goes international... Yeah. And that's one thing. Originally, I thought there was those newspaper clippings at the end, and you saw there was a mudslide in um, Mexico or All dead. Expect one. Expect baby. Um... But that, so I was like, oh, maybe he caused that. I'm like, no, 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 it's not that. It's because one person survived. That's why he kept that clipping. Yeah. He didn't cause it. No, the things that he caused were the there was a um, hotel play, fire, hotel fire, a plane crash or bombing, yeah. and then the train crash at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, but all three of those things seem to have happened around, in and around Philadelphia. Yeah, so I feel like. Did he just? Is it something to do with he seems to think that whoever is opposite is must be around here? Something yeah. like that sort of thing.
1: I mean, those are quite loose auspices, really, because you think, okay, so he there was one fire which called, killed like a hundred people, mm. and then there was one plane crash which killed two or three hundred people, and then there was the train crash which killed one hundred and seventy-seven people, whatever it was, or one hundred and forty people. You know, there's a there's a lot of other things you could have done. Yeah. You know, just just those three. Okay, yeah, they're horrible and really, really bad. But there are many other things that you could have done.
0: But also, what what a stroke of luck on your third attempt, third time lucky, you managed to find yeah. the one guy. You t- but also, <laughs> what happens if
1: that guy's weakness is fire? <laughs> oh yeah, well you fucked it, Fuck that one up. Fire's everyone's weakness. It's fucking fire. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> It's like the fucking Martian Manhunter. Oh no, my one weakness, fire. What about you, Batman? Yes, yeah, my weakness too. Aquaman. Yep, yep. It will set me fire. on fire.
0: I'm not gonna go. It's not gonna go well for me, is it? No. <laughs> Do you know what I
1: mean? Robin, Nightwing, Wonder Woman. Anyone else other than Superman? Yeah, yeah. It's fire for me. Ah, <laughs> oh. um, fucking John Johns. snowflake. <laughs> Snowflake's are weak to fire as well. Don't fucking start the snowflake thing. Um, yeah, so I mean, that's
0: Unbreakable. I don't know what else there is to say about Unbreakable.
1: There isn't really. I mean, it is it is a spectacular film. I know that we really sort of picked at it and laid into it. But it's, it's difficult to... If we would have just sat here gushing over yeah. how it's great, yeah, we it's would all- have been like any other film review for this, for Unbreakable. Yeah. But yeah, it's a spectacular film.
0: Yeah, and, it's, and like I say, it's all about Elijah and David and that whole dynamic. Um, and that's why we're excited. To, like when we talked about what Elijah's motivations and stuff are going to be in Glass, that's yeah. why we're excited for it. Yeah. Because that is by far the best thing about this movie. And what makes it such a sort of classic is that character. And so the fact that they're going to push that forward and have him interact with James McEvoy's character and then push it to the next, you know, a sequel. Yeah which they talked about for years, about the idea of there being an Unbreakable 2. And it went on for ages and ages and ages, and he said, oh, maybe I've got an idea for it, maybe, maybe. And then Split came out, and there was this big bombshell moment at the end where he found out that David Dunn was in it. Yeah. And then everyone was just like, "That's that was the thing where everyone was like, obviously, you seen that need movie. You need to watch it. Why? Because yeah. it ties into Unbreakable. And we're like, what? And everyone yeah. got really excited about it because everyone loves Unbreakable. Yeah, the um, twist itself sold Split. Absolutely. And that wouldn't be the case if Unbreakable wasn't the film that it is. So yeah. 100% it's standing on the shoulders of the Giants. But we'll talk about Split next week.
1: Yes, we will.
0: But yeah, in the meantime, if you haven't seen Unbreakable, go watch it. Yep. Particularly if you have any interest in Glass at all, And it definitely is going to benefit from having gone back and watched Unbreakable. Yeah. Because yeah, it's like I say, it really sets up both Bruce Willis's character, but more so is Samuel Jackson's character mm-hmm. that is really the driving force for this next movie by the look of it.
1: Yeah, so that's it. I said, yeah, that's about it really for me. I mean shooting friends is bad. Don't shoot friends. Don't shoot friends, Joseph. That's pretty much my, that's my ending point of this is
0: friends listen to each other. I thought we were already becoming pals. I thought we were becoming real friends. But you're my dad. Can you not just, no? Okay, all right. (laughs) Where have you been for the last 11 years of this boy's life? Just checked out. Just, a mo- just just mentally just checked just out, just not there. Because uh, the he's, it's he's the seven kid, midlife the kid is literally, Like clinging onto his leg, like love me <laughs> get off. And it's the fact that they keep calling him Joseph rather than Joe as well. It's just that it's they're, so they're, formal. It's very formal, isn't it? It's all very like, no, I am your father. Listen to me. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, so yeah, thank you for taking the time out of your week to listen to us ramble about films we like. If you want to get in touch, uh, or if there's anything we missed about Unbreakable, yeah, um, you can find us on the Omcast Pod on Facebook. Uh, we're on Instagram we're on Twitter we'd love to hear from you at Um if you like what you heard today please subscribe on iTunes and if you could please give us a rating on iTunes that would also be great yeah um, we really appreciate that yeah and that's it so next week we're going to talk about Split which came out in 2016 um, an interesting one turns out like we said we've talked about it already that it turns out it was a sequel to this who knew but we'll get on to that next week and I may be a little bit gushy about James McAvoy oh god but we'll, we'll, t- we'll talk oh about god. it oh <laughs> god it's happening. It's a tour de force. Oh, I, I hate, I hate it when you say that. He's the greatest bloody actor in this school. Bye, bye. You made
1: it. You mania. <laughs> new mania. New mania. New mania. New mania, like Beatles mania, only you. new, new, new. <laughs> uh, <laughs> where he learned (laughs) post credits